Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. A podcast with ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. Here are your hosts, Dave Adamson and Ashley Bohens. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Think Orange Podcast. My name is Dave. This is episode 62. And sitting across the table from me once again is the one and only Ashley Bohens. It's good to be here. How are you, Ash? I am so good. It's uh, summertime. Ash, you you look <laughs> tired. Are you tired today? You're not really supposed to say that to a oh, girl. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you need another sip of coffee. You look amazing, but you just look a bit tired as well. I know you've been super busy with meetings and all sorts of things, preparing for a whole bunch of stuff that you've got coming up. But you look amazing. I just want to just. I want to. I'm. I'm trying to backpedal. Retract here. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Now backpedal. you're just like going over, like too far, <laughs> swinging the other way, Dave. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's just let's just move on. Have you had a good summer so far? I have. It's been wonderful. Oh, that's so good to hear. What about you? Yeah, mine's been fantastic. I've been hanging out with my girls. We're actually planning a couple of trips. I'm trying to. I'm actually thinking about taking my girls out on a road trip, just me and them. Do you think that's a good idea? I love that. I'm gonna take the parent Q app with me, so I know I know what to <laughs> talk to about. To connect to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna be dry. Every time we stop, I'll look at the parent Q app and go, "Okay, I need to talk to him about this topic." A uh, little. Where plug. are you going on a road trip? We don't know yet. I told the girls to pick. Here's the, here's the funny thing. I said to them, "Hey, girls, pick anywhere in America you want to go, and we'll do a road trip." You know what they said? Oh, Alaska and Hawaii. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> the two places. I can't. I can't drive a car to Alaska. Uh, well, I could drive a car to Alaska. I certainly can't drive a car to Hawaii. I feel like you would figure out a way, Dave. <laughs> you well, are a creative person. Hey, we'll see how we go. Hey, speaking of road trips and touring, Ash, did you know the Orange Tour is coming up? Of course, it is, Dave. And registrations open right now. It's filling up, and we hope you come see us in one of the cities near you. Yeah, it's a 16-city nationwide tour for your entire family ministry team, including volunteers. We want to see volunteers there this year. We're going to be on some of those tour stops. I'm not sure when. Which city are you most looking forward to? Honestly, Dave... I'm looking forward to all of them equally, but kind of like your girls, I, I wish we were going to Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I'll have a chat with Reggie and see what we can do. I would love to go to Hawaii with the Orange Tour. That would be incredible. If you want to find out more and register, just go to www.orangetour.org. Www. Do we really need to say that? It's written in my notes here. I but don't think you need the Ws anymore. I think it's just <laughs> orangetour.org. <laughs> Orange Tour. Go to orangetour.org and find out a little bit more information. Hey, today, Ash, we're going to be talking about a very serious topic, specifically leading through crisis, tragedy, and trauma. Now, this is a topic that, especially in today's day and age, is really important for church leaders and really and parents and really anybody in the community, right? Yeah, it really is. Actually, it's what we've been talking about a lot here at uh, XP3 Middle School and High School. Um, we've been working on a series for middle school right now on the topic of bullying, because oh, wow. if you look at statistics, yeah. right now it says like one in four teenagers report being bullied in some form. Wow. Um, and that's just one form of crisis that teenagers walk through. But I mean, if you just look at how often school shootings are happening and you look at the suicide rates increasing, mm. teenagers are walking through tragedy. And so for some of them, it's the first time they've ever had to walk through something like that. Yeah, it's just, it's as a parent, I'm super concerned about these statistics. And, and I would love to know how to walk my child through these uh, sort of traumas and crises as well. And a statistic I also read recently was 15% of sexual assault and rape victims are under the age of 12. Wow. 
that is that is just heartbreaking. Um, anybody who's been listening to this podcast uh, for long enough knows a little bit about my story and how I fit into those statistics, unfortunately. Um, so really, for church leaders, for parents, the question isn't if tragedy will hit your family or your ministry. It's a question of when it's going to hit, and we need to know how to deal with that when it comes up. So today, we want to really help you with this specific topic, and to do that, we've brought in some special guests who are experts in this field. One is Katie Edwards, who has been in student ministry for over 20 years. She is. She's the junior high pastor at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, and Katie's a really good friend of of XP3 and Orange. Um, She's helped a lot with the phase initiative here, Mm. the phase research project, and she also actually wrote a series for us uh, for youth pastors to do with their students and their oh, wow. teenagers um, called Through the Darkness, which is about leading students and teenagers through tragedy and That's trauma. Awesome. And then after that, we're going to hear from Brooklyn Lindsay, who has been a youth pastor for more than 16 years. Yeah, and she's she's an expert youth pastor, but what's really cool is her and her husband just recently planted a church a few years ago mm. called Somos Church in Lakeland, Florida. And um, she's actually building the youth ministry from the ground up. So yeah. she's like starting from zero. Yeah. But she's also a really good friend of Orange. Um, she does a lot with us when it comes to resources for teenagers. Um, and she wrote some really incredible blogs on the XP3 student blog about how you can help lead teenagers through trauma and tragedy, actually yeah. following one of the school shootings in Florida. Wow. So we've got some genuine experts on the field who I'm sure are going to teach you a lot and provide a lot of great content for you. They're being interviewed by Joseph of Sojourner and Holly Crawshaw. They're friends of the pod, but they are also uh, have long experience in, in student ministry as well. So I just want to encourage you, get a notebook, get a pen out. You're going to want to take some notes because as I said earlier, this is not if this is going to happen in your church or a family in your church. It's when, unfortunately. And so we know that today is going to be a very special episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share one of my favorite quotes. Now, I don't want you to take this quote the wrong way because I, I feel like it is our job to go out into the world and to share you know, lo- God's love and to share acts of mercy and help people. But at the same time, I think we feel like it is our job to save everyone as youth ministers, as leaders, as volunteers. And so I wanted to share this quote with you that's, that's it's just comforting to me. Um, it says this. It says, lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. And so before we get into, like, how do we deal with crisis and what does it look like? What is crisis? Um, what do we say? What do we not say? Before we deal with that, I just wanted to encourage you and, and clarify this, that you are enough. Like, what you bring to a person is enough. You have what it takes to be compassionate. You have what it takes to be attentive you are able to show up. And I, I just, I love this quote because lighthouses are kind of stable things. They, they don't really go anywhere, and, but they, they shine bright. And when someone needs help, they look to that and that thing stays there and they remain. So I read an incredible book one time called The Wisdom of Stability by um, Jonathan Hartgrove. And I read it at a time when I was making a lot of decisions and it was hard for me to read because I wanted to jump. I wanted to do something. I wanted to change. And yet there's so much wisdom and stability 
So I just want to encourage you as a person, as someone who has a heart that's growing in faith, to know that you're enough right where you are and that you don't have to be anything else, that you should shine, that, that God's life in you, the way that um, he's transforming you and renewing your mind is enough. And so there are things that are going to be helpful. But I just wanted to tell you that because sometimes I think the sensor in us, that thing that's like that voice that tells you you're not enough, overrides that function that you have that is totally capable of loving other people. So bottom line here, if you spend more than a day in youth ministry, you're going to have to go through some serious situations. Because of this, because of the nature of crisis and tragedy and trauma, because of the nature of church and it being a lighthouse of sorts, when it happens, people turn to the church. And what is the church made up of? It's you. You're the body of Christ. And so the first thing that happens is people run to you. You are the first responders, okay? So because you're a first responder, you're usually the first one to have a conversation. So I would like to call this the entryway of crisis. Conversation is the thing that just, um, you know, if you look at the Boston Marathon, um, the crisis happened, you know, the, the bombing happened. But the first responders, the ones who ran to people's aid, had that face-to-face conversation I'm so sorry, I got you. I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to take you here. I'm going to help you. They, they had those words that were exchanged. And if you read tweets and if you read books and reports about that particular event, you'll see people quoting their first responders. This is what she said to me. This is what he said to me. They were like an angel. And so conversation is probably one of the most important things. So I'm going to take something that Crystal mentioned, the say this, Um, don't say that kind of stuff that um, Orange has created for you. And I want to go through that first. Before we define what crisis is, before we talk about the implications of crisis, before we talk about all the stuff that's going on in our church and how the possibilities that we have to deal with it, I want to talk about conversation because that's the one thing that we're going to do no matter what, we're going to have those conversations. So real quick, when a student experiences crisis, um, you know, the, the conversation is the first thing. So it's important to know how to have a helpful conversation. There's a book called um, Helping Without Hurting or something like that. And it's, it's, like a, it's a book about missional living and worship and mission trips and how sometimes we, we hurt more than we help. And I think the same thing applies to us in ministry. Sometimes we just, it's so hard to sit, not say certain things because we've been conditioned or we're afraid of what we're going to say. So we're trying to get other people to say things. And, and you're going to see what those are in a little bit. But it's, it's important to know the difference. Um, and every situation is different. You know this, right? So if it's a cancer death, it's not just prescriptive. Every person whose parent gets cancer, it's going to go like this. That's not how it is. Sometimes they heal. Sometimes there's a remedy. Sometimes there's a treatment. Sometimes the treatment lasts 10 years. Sometimes it lasts 10 days. Sometimes it goes very quickly and you don't even know what's happening and you have no information. And sometimes you have more information than you ever wanted. So... So there are some ways that we can talk to people that are helpful and less hurtful. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, your job is to be ready to respond. So I know I joked about palms up, but it's kind of how it is. When you're leading in youth ministry and you're interacting with all sorts of people who are coming to you as a lighthouse, coming to you as a place that has answers, you know, we may not have them, but they think that we do, and so they're coming, and here we are. So basically, you know, it's the theme of the conference. Our job is to say yes when crisis walks in the door, to respond to it, even if we feel like we don't have what it takes. So I want to go ahead and just go over some things with you. 
about how to talk in a crisis situation. So saying some things and not saying some other things. But before I give you some detailed like examples, um, I want you to focus on listening. I think the thing that we lose early in life are listening skills because we're so tired of it. You know, just school, Charlie Brown's teacher sounds a certain way for a reason. <laughs> like, it, that, is, that, that describes the feeling of school, right? And you just hear that, and that's exactly what you're hearing at school. My kids already, seven and four, they already tune things out. They're, they're, they're just amazing. Like, they can have a whole world going on in the backseat, and Koi and I are having an intense conversation, and they're building a snowman, you know, or wanting to, or singing it, or whatever, you know, and they have, like, this thing going on, and it's just an ability that we have. So when something doesn't intrigue us, or pull us in, or connect with us personally, it's real easy to just kind of guess what they're going to say and, and already have a plan in place and, and forget that, that they might say something very important that you need to hear that's a clue for, for you to know how to respond. So listening is important. It's easy to feel the pressure to have the right things to say, but just listen. Listen to their feelings and, and just listen. Listen, listen, listen. Um, the second thing to focus on is feeling. Since every tragedy is unique, um, you can ask, you know, how are you feeling right now? Like, what... What did it make you feel like when you got that phone call? What do you think you're going to feel like when? And giving them types of questions that are, are open-ended, questions that they can, they can kind of see the future or reflect on the past or just sometimes just even using vocabulary that they're not used to using. There's a book called, um, a crisis book that you can use in youth ministry, Youth Worker's Guide to Crisis. I don't know if you've seen it, it has like a big red cross on it, like a, almost like a first aid cross, if you want to get that. In the back, in the appendix, there are a list of vocabulary words that you can help students use. So often we, they know things like, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm sad, but there's so many, we have such a rich like palette of words that we can share. And so sometimes I'll just open that book and I'll say, can you just show me how you feel? And suddenly they're pointing out word after word after word, and they're starting to describe how they feel. And I didn't do anything at all. I just gave them an option. Like, you don't have to tell me what everyone usually says. I'm fine. Or, you know, whatever. So, so listening and feeling, and then we want to focus on remembering. Um, remembering is, is an aid to the grieving process. So it might not be the right time to remember the crisis like right after it happened, but you want to just make a mental note that there, there might be a time where we remember this together. Um, you can practice theological reflection with your, your students. You can say, I know that this happened and this was awful, and, and I am so sorry that this happened to you. If you want to, like, we can go back and remember this moment, but we can picture like, the, moment, the places of grace or at least look for them. And so we, we, we practice, like, how does it, what does it look like to experience that moment again with grace or with, with love that wasn't given in that moment? So here are some things that we can say, just specific things that are helpful. We can say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Whatever that is, if you are gener- generally sorry, like you genuinely sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, then you can say that. That's a good thing to say. You can say, I hate that you're going through this. I know hate is a word that parents tell kids not to say all the time, but they say it anyway, and they try not to say it, but they really feel it. And hatred is not something that I suggest people like, build up in their life. But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, I hate that you're going through this. Because it's, it's focused on a person. It's focused on wholeness and vulnerability. It's saying, you know, what happened to you really affects me and how I feel. So I just want you to know, like, I hate this, and I'm sorry that it's happening. 
Um, you can also say, I know this is really hard. You may not even want to say that I know it's really hard because what if you don't, right? Has anyone ever said that to you? Oh, I know what you're feeling. Like I went through that one time and then you go into this long story because you don't really know what to say. Well, you may not know. So you could just say, this, this looks like it's really hard. It seems like it's really hard. I imagine this is probably the hardest thing that you'll ever face. So unless you know, and you might, because if you talk to me about divorce, I would say, I know this is really hard. But if you don't know, then say, I imagine it is, or I bet it is, or I'm sure that this is really hard. Um, Tell me a story about this person. Now, this is where you become completely vulnerable in the moment, because you don't know what they're going to say or what they might bring to the table when you say, tell me about um, so let's, let's just talk about a couple of things before we talk about what is a crisis. Um, crisis for you could have looked like a lot of different things. It can be a divorce. It can be not making the team. It can be a national tragedy. It can be death. Um, but more, more than anything, in any of those types of crises, the only thing that I can remember are the first responders. Um, when I was in, in youth group, two girls, they were twins. They're beautiful young ladies. They were in a car with their friend, Brooke, and Brooke's two parents, and they were going to a football game. They're cheerleaders, and just the, the happenstance was they're crossing the railroad tracks the same time as the train was. That was my first experience with tragedy. When Laura and Lisa passed away, I, I didn't even know that they passed away. Honestly, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no immediate social notification. <laughs> it was my youth pastor showing up on my doorstep, knocking on the door, looked in the door and said, Brooke and Betsy, are you home? And we were, did you hear about Laura and Lisa? No, and they told us. They knew right away in the moment that that something would need to be done with all the students in our group and that they were going to physically skip watching Friends that night and come door to door. Whether we knew Laura and Lisa or not, they were going to be the ones to, to pray, to be with, and to say, I'm here for you. So, I feel like the church in many ways should be that type of person, that first responder person. I'm a light. I'm here. I don't have the answers, but I will shine bright for you. I will hold you. I will walk with you. I won't forget you. I will always say yes to you because that's what God calls the church to do. Could not be more excited today sitting here in what feels like the Orange Club or Club Orange. I'm not sure we want to call it's a, it. It's a party bus. It is it? a party bus. So we're chilling here in the party bus. Got some of our favorite people here. I'm Sojo. Got Holly. I'm Holly. Holly mm-hmm. Crawshaw. And we are sitting here with Katie Edwards of Saddleback Church talking about something that we absolutely love. 20 years serving at Saddleback. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Um. Yes. I love my church. I actually grew up there. It was my home church. Oh, that's and cool. I know. And so I've been doing middle school ministry um, there for 22 years mm. and some other things sprinkled in there you know high school and volunteers and different <laughs> things along the way but junior high is definitely my heartbeat and yeah I'm currently the junior high pastor there and um, direct our student ministry and yeah I love it that's awesome yeah here's what I love the most is that right now throughout all student ministry whether it's middle school or the high school and I know Holly and I've seen that a lot as we kind of move around uh, so many churches are saying tragedy is happening I mean we're seeing it on the news but there's also just tragedies happening in, in the communities and that's something that your church has been dealing with can you share some of the uh, some of the situations that have been happening at Saddleback that you've had to walk through with students yeah definitely we you know I've been doing ministry for a really long time but I feel like the last couple of years have been some of my toughest where um, 
maybe for years I knew or had thought about things in theory as a youth pastor, but then actually having to walk through some of these things has now happened in the last couple of years. So in our community, in the last 18 months, we've had five of our middle schoolers commit suicide, wow. two from our congregation. So one little girl who just a month before um, I baptized. So just mm. um, walking through it with kids that we know and families that we know really well. A lot of things, um, just students losing parents. I feel like divorce is just ravaging our community um, and just families, layered families, bullying, all sorts of things that I think in the last few years have just escalated and we've walked through. Not to mention all the things, you know, that are just traumatic for teenagers in general. Right. So, you know, as they question things, you know, um, as they walk through new things, everything feels traumatic to a teenager, I think. Especially or, middle schooler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or has ripples of trauma, right. you know, so as they they just kind of hit normal teenage stuff. Um, there's just, you know, traumatic effects to that. So I think walking through, you know, some doors with them, um, helping them figure out their sexuality and, and asking questions in that or, or students who are are dealing with, um, you know, they're caught in a sin issue, something like pornography has a hold of them. And there's traumatic effects to that. So we're finding I'm finding that some of the same traumatic things that are happening in tragedy are also happening in just some normal teenage mm -hmm. issues as well. So mm -hmm. Yeah. So 20 years, could you say from back in the day when there was tragedy that would hit a student to today, what are the, what's the difference in the reaction of students from 20 years ago to, to now? You're saying like they're responding in a, in a, is it a different way, would you say now? Yeah. I mean, I think technology obviously has sure. escalated everything and there's no human that couldn't point to technology being something that has escalated teenage culture. Um, I think a lot of uh, now what I'm seeing is students will go to kind of their online presence maybe before they'll um, engage with physical presence. So mm. students, wow. you know, will react online with emotion and um, all sorts of different things, you know, that they'll express online and then have a difficult time sitting one-on-one -on -one across the table at a coffee and sharing feelings, you know? Wow. So um, that I think is, is just a, a difference that I've seen where I think before years ago, there were really only a few pockets of places that they would express things. And it was a lot more personal. It was a lot more face-to-face -face physical presence. Um, but now there's just so much expression online. Sure. So Katie, um, Let's just have a scenario. Um, there's a tragedy. There's a situation. Something happens. There's a divorce. There's a suicide. What's your first line of defense? Like, what's your first reaction? I'm sure you have volunteers in place. Is there a strategy? Is there a plan? Yeah. Well, I think depending on the situation, if it's if it's someone we know, I think there's a response plan. And then I think if there's something in the community, it looks a little bit different. Okay, let's like, talk about at your church. Okay. So at our church, um, you know, our first our first line of defense is always to reach out personally to to call either the student or the parent or try to engage with physical presence right. as soon as possible because I think um, that's a big part of it and of course if a student has a small group leader or somebody you know we wouldn't engage I wouldn't engage by myself as the youth pastor I'd, I'd engage with a team to sure. kind of rally around the family and the students and then I think you know definitely you know over time just there's a, a more of a long-term plan with students than a short-term plan mm -hmm. so many people when tragedy happens 
rally in the first few weeks and then two months, four months, right. six months later, when things really start to unfold for a student, um, that's really where our care plan kind of kicks in. Right. So we kind of at the two month, four month, six month mark are, are checking in in different ways um, with you the student. You said plan? Care. Care plan. <laughs> I was like, carrot. Let me write that yeah. down. I know. Like, you know every letter grows. stands for something. I was like, I'm so sorry. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Care plan. That's when your care plan kicks in. I know. In. Sorry. Okay. Just no, care. No, no, probably I put me. the O for outreach. The <laughs> right. o outreach. You guys, we could come up touch. with something right now. Care, probably care plan actually, I think, has yeah. a lot of traction. Yeah, right, no, it I'm really sorry. does. Care really plan. Does. Yeah. So Katie's I think just, plan. I think just long term caring for students. Right. Um, the process of grief, the process of trauma, especially with teenagers, unfolds really differently for every single student and it unfolds over time so it's more important to think long term when tragedy strikes versus short term I think there's things to do in the moment but everybody's trying to do something in the moment so be present be available check in you know show up I would say that's like half the battle but then also thinking long term and and so you say it's different different with every student but you also reaching out to parents and students how yes. is it different between how students respond and how a parent responds yeah I mean I think parents are are hurting as well mm -hmm. but they're trying so hard to be strong for their students or you know so they require the same amount of care and the same amount of checking in and being present as their students do it might look a little bit different adult conversation just looks a little bit different but we had a situation you know that we were walking through um, with the parents of a student who took her life mm -hmm. and so all of our ministry was to her parents mm -hmm. you know and loving them being in their home being part of the memorial service, checking in weekly for about eight weeks, checking in, you know, putting putting things on my calendar to remind me at the two-month, four-month, six-month mark, hey, That's check good. in with so-and-so. So I think even really practical, tangible things like that, that a text or a call, um, you know, are huge, you know, and really just helping people know that you can call, you can ask if you need help, here's how you can ask, you know, those types of things I think are huge. So if there's a ministry leader listening and they, they want to equip maybe their volunteers to deal with tragedy, what would you say are some of the steps you've taken to help your volunteers respond or, or know when to report to you or report to parents or anything in that vein toward tragedy? Yeah, with our volunteers, we do a few different trainings a year because mm -hmm. they're... Um, so I oversee small groups, some small group leaders, and they're in kind of weekly conversation about all sorts of things. Right. And so really just giving them some general principles of how you react, how you respond, you know, what are some ways that you can prompt conversation if conversation isn't happening. One of the things that my adult leaders really struggle with is we want our teenagers to respond like adults, right? you know, and so when they go through something, we want to hand them a book and say, read this, but you know, a teenager. <laughs> isn't going to do they're that. They're going to read you know? their Instagram <laughs> feed. Totally. Maybe. Yeah. Or we get nervous when they're not talking enough. You know, you're mm -hmm. not sharing enough feelings or you should be talking. You should be crying. You should be. And I think as adults, we really say that should be to teenagers a ton. So with my leaders, I try really hard to let's eliminate should be or you should respond yeah. like this because no teenager responds the same to anything like this. Um, 
So for them, it's let's eliminate should be let's respond with presence, with showing up. Let's respond with I'm here. I want to hear you. Um, instead of handing them a book, um, handing them a journal with maybe some prompts, some things that they can do on their own and then questions that you can follow up with. Um, so really just equipping my leaders with some questions that they can ask students that prompt you know, maybe a response, but also sometimes students just want to be normal too in the midst of tragedy. So what does it look like to take a student out to have fun in the midst of something heavy happening? You know, so I think sometimes too, they're trapped in heaviness at home and they want to escape from that or be released from that for just a short period of time. So also training small group leaders, hey, it's okay if you head to the beach for a couple of hours and you go for a walk and you get ice cream and you don't talk about anything at all. You just talk about normal life, you know, so I think helping them have a balance between what it looks like to just engage a teenager and then also giving them some tools for engaging them in the midst of tragedy. And and there's so many different types of tragedy. Let's 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 look at the scenario of uh, there's someone at their school bullied. Maybe maybe it's for their sexuality. And here's what's fascinating about this generation is they're extremely empathetic, probably through social media, that when they hear these stories, it's as if they begin to carry this weight. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a tragedy that happens at a school down the road impact your program and the the kids saying, did you hear what happened to that kid over there or or, or another person uh, committed suicide? I don't know them, but I feel horrible. Why does that kind of stuff happen? What do you say to your leaders when 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 a tragedy happens that might not be happening inside your walls, but it's Mm -hmm. impacting your students in your church? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know, that's part of part of just walking through life with teenagers is helping them to navigate what they're seeing, you know, their worldview and their um, their perspective and helping even to shape that as a leader through through the lens of Jesus. Um, I, I think when things are happening outside of them, it's it's the best time to engage them in their own relationship with Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, to help them understand what the gospel looks like, you know, lived out through their own life and then how that affects others in the midst of tragedy and things that are happening on their campuses. When things aren't in their control, how do you lean into Jesus? When someone is hurting, how do you lean into Jesus? When when someone um, needs to, you know, needs Jesus, how do you point them to Jesus? You know, I think it's it's a lot of helping students really understand their own personal relationship with Jesus and how that pours out. To me, that's the best way that we can be the light as the church. That's, that's so good. You're, you're essentially saying when things are happening around them, it's the best time to, to talk about what's happening inside. Absolutely. And that Definitely. Is, and, that, and they're probably primed and ready to say, okay, yeah, I have questions. I have doubts. Yeah, that's absolutely when doubt comes up, right? When you see something on TV, right. you know, a school shooting or something like that, you, of course, you question, why would God let this happen? You know, you are at, teenagers are asking big questions and mm-hmm. things that they're seeing. And so, those are the times really to help them look inward at their own relationship with Christ because their own identity in Christ is going to inform everything that they do. The stronger they understand that, the more that will inform. So when they're on a school campus, our instincts, I think as humans, is to like do, to like jump into action, right? Which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. But imagine if that action was informed by your identity in Christ, right? Imagine if that action was informed by your relationship with Jesus. That would be a really, really powerful thing on a school campus. Mm-hmm. So 
as much as in tragedy, we want to go outward, which we there are times to do that for sure. As small group leaders, I think it's a time for us to really help students process their questions about the Lord and really help them understand, you know, and, and doubt for sure, because a faith that's wrestled with is a faith that's owned for sure. So, you know, I think if we can help our kids wrestle through some of these things that raise up the questions, oh, it's the best time to do that. That's good. So, Katie, if there is a pastor listening, um, a volunteer, anybody who works with students, and they want to take um, the first step in meeting someone's need during tragedy, what would you say is a great first step for a ministry, a ministry leader, or just a volunteer who loves students? What's a great first step to helping someone through tragedy? Maybe they don't have a great relationship. Maybe they have minimal relationship. Mm-hmm. Just a good first step to supporting someone. Yeah, I think a great, I mean, a great first step is is to call you know, not to text or email, to call. Um, And I think to try to connect and, and to offer up a time to come and be with them. What I've found that when anything is happening, if you can get together face to face, you know, if you can get in physical presence with one another. Such a lost art. (laughs) I know, it really is. But it's just so much happens. I think so much more can happen in a 30 minute time together than an all day text exchange. So if there's a way to get with that student or with that parent, you know, that day or the next day, that would be that that's always my first instinct, my first go to as youth pastors. How do I get in proximity with them? And are you trying to do that? I mean, you're 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 on staff, but are you empowering your volunteers, the small group leader of yeah, that student absolutely. to say, hey, this is this is something that I think you this is the perfect time for them to see your face. Or do you feel the tension of saying I need to make it out to all those? Situations? I definitely don't feel like I could. I mean, once your youth ministry grows above 15 students, it's probably <laughs> outgrown your ability to care for people one on one. So you, you know, uh, the team responds together. Um, I guess I'm speaking as a small group leader because I have my own small group. That's good. So That's good. Okay. That's I good would respond. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So because no. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of like my totally. 10 that I shepherd. Um, so I feel part of the team of small group leaders. But yeah, I mean, there are times, there are times as the youth pastor where it does need to be you. More often than not, it doesn't have to be me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's times where I've shown up to do a hospital visit or something, and I'm introducing myself as the youth pastor, and they've said, oh, the youth pastor is already here, and there are small group leaders mm-hmm. there. That's you know, awesome, Totally. So you're like, yeah. yes, I, I will... I will head out over here in the corner. <laughs> I will see you guys later. Um, yeah, or yeah, totally. Can I get coffee for anyone? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think definitely, you know, we're we are, we are a team who's shepherding our congregation and our community, and so there's there's multiple people that might head out to a visit like that. But that would be something that I would encourage anybody who's shepherding students to try to get in physical proximity with them as soon as possible and to, to be with them and parents, you know, again, like if you're, if I'm also a mom of two teenagers. So, you know, as a mom, when my kids are walking through really tough stuff, um, there's times where I feel a little bit hopeless, you know, or I don't know what I'm doing or yeah. know how to walk them through things. So I think that's 90% of parenting. Totally. Right? Yeah. So what when is people happening? show up for my kids, I'm yeah. kind of also just listening yeah, and, absolutely. and soaking things in and love when someone engages me as a mom too, because I'm asking questions also, or gosh, I'm not sure how to encourage them. Can you give me some pointers? So um, even as a mom, I'm looking for that too with my kids when they hit tough stuff. So when there's pain, when there's tragedy, people begin looking for the church. 
Uh, and I think even when it comes to students and young young teenagers, when when tragedy and pain is happening, it's the perfect opportunity for us to be the church. And it's almost like the students in our programs are expecting us to say, how do we be the church in yeah. this moment? Which gives us this unique opportunity to, to maybe walk into schools and partner with schools. What are some opportunities that you've seen uh, that maybe your church has done or you've seen yeah. other churches do that have given great opportunities for the church to be able to partner with the school in these moments? Yeah, I, it's funny. I feel like this is an area where we've got it wrong. Well, everything we're talking about, I'm pretty sure I did it like the hard way or the wrong way first and then kind of found something <laughs> oh, that worked well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, Trial and error. Yeah. So with this, so in California, it's a little tricky to get on campuses. We have closed campuses. So as youth pastors and small group leaders and stuff, it's a little bit tricky to get into that setting. Um, but what I wish I would have done on the front end of some of the things that our students have hit in the last few years is connect with the schools before something happens. We've been a little bit reactionary, I think, with the schools in our community versus proactive. So I I think, you know, ahead of time, I wish that I would have emailed all the principals of the schools I pull from and just given them some, hey, if you guys ever need anyone to come be with students, counsel students, talk with parents, we want to be a resource for you. Um, all of that's accessible because it's all public record, principals, email addresses right. and things like that. And um, so I have since then now connected with everybody and just let them know, like, we want to be a resource for you. But it was kind of on the heels of some crazy things happening. So my encouragement would be to reach out to the people that are in your community that that are in the same lens or sphere with your, with your kids um, so that you can begin a relationship with them so they know who you are and what you have to offer. I think sometimes when the church emails or comes at you in the midst of something, people don't have time to know you and to, to understand mm, what you're about. Good. And so they might make an assumption or shut you out because they don't know. And so... I think building relationships ahead of time with schools or or even some of the sports organizations that are in your community or something ahead of time. So people just know you and know your name and know what you guys are about and what you stand for and, and how you want to be a resource to a, them. We had a church right around this area, right in the middle of tragedy. Uh, the pastor went there and said, hey, we want to do the celebration service. And so they put together, I mean, used all the resources. It was a larger church. All the resources invited all the students to, hey, we want to make this special. I worked with the students to kind of design and program the whole special night for this student. And it was just a beautiful picture of how mm -hmm. the church can walk into school and say, we need, we want your voices. We want, we want to truly know what this girl was like. And for so many students to come in the church and be like, what is this place? And, and this is so awesome. I mean, there, there really are these awesome opportunities that, that we can say, yeah, we need to be proactive before tragedy happens. But yes, if we're forced to be reactionary, what yeah. are the best ways that we can react in those moments? And it might be totally. just to, to be there, to be their resource to them. We want to make sure we make special nights and we'll be the, we'll be the venue for that. Well, and that's the cool part about the church is most of the time we're willing to throw open our doors to just about anything, you know, just to be a resource for the community. So if there's ways that, you know, you can be utilized or your church can be utilized, or even you can, you know, we, um, we had a student who they, who passed away and they did a candlelight vigil in the park. Mm. And so we offered up the candles that we use at Christmas time. Like, can we just donate all the candles to Good. you? Can mm -hmm. people come and Super just practical. be present to yeah. pray? So even thinking through the tiniest of things that can be a resource to people in, in, in hard times, I think, can be huge. So, Katie, outside of the general shock of tragedy, has there been anything surprising to you about how middle schoolers respond 
to difficult, hard, challenging tragedy situations. Yeah, I think as a youth pastor, I want everybody to respond the same because it's easier, right? And to have resources and everything to respond the same. With middle schoolers, um, it shouldn't surprise me, but it, it really has that they just all deal with things differently. And so with each individual kid, you're meeting them where they're at in the middle of their stuff. And you're you're designing a plan for each individual student. You know, there's just no plan that works for everyone. The things, you know, there are general overarching principles with middle schoolers, you know, showing up, being present, asking good questions, you know, again, checking in over time, right. allowing them to to have a process, which is also kind of a last art, a lost art is just mm-hmm. the idea of process and journey. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but these things are typically a journey, you know, so right. it's committing to being on the journey journey with a middle schooler long term and and walking with them in a daily thing. So, so Katie, I have three daughters. Um, my oldest is nine years old and I struggle with helping her cope with the fact that her favorite shirt is not dry on the day that she wants to wear it because <laughs> she wants to wear the same yes. shirt three times in one week. And it's all your fault, <laughs> regardless of how many shirts are in her closet. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the worst shirt. And I don't yeah. even know where it came from. Mm-hmm. But um, so how do you <laughs> help parents help middle schoolers cope with difficult, challenging situations? Do you have um, a resource you give them, some coaching, anything that you, how do you support parents in supporting their children when they're in middle school through difficult situations? You know, as parents are walking through things, I think as small group leaders or as youth pastors, it's really important to connect with them and just give them some reminders and some suggestions. It might be things that you've said before, but it's different now that they're in the middle of something. Right. So talking with them about remembering that their kid is not processing things the same way that they are. I think that's a huge reminder for parents of just remember where they're at and who they are. Um, Pray with your kids and for them. I think a lot of time as parents, we pray for our kids a lot. That's good. But what does it look like to pray with them in the middle of something? To to pause and say, hey, let's pray about this together. Um, and to be in that process with them. Prayer is so powerful and practicing that with your kids is huge in the midst of hard things. Not only are you training them to go to Jesus in prayer during hard times, but you're also being raw yourself as a parent and allowing them to hear you pray, which I think is good, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think as a parent, who is the team that rallies around your kids. You know, um, Kara Powell, Dr. Kara Powell talks about this a ton where um, having a team of five or so other adult, you know, adults alongside of mom and dad coming around side of your kids. And I don't know anything more powerful than the village mentality when your kids are going through something. So as a parent, who are the people that you and your kid identify as the ralliers in these moments? You know, the people that you're going to call to come around your kids when they go through something tough and they will. So planning that when they're nine is probably a really important step for us as parents is to really think through when my kid hits something tough who are those other people besides us that we can bring in that we trust that's going to bring Jesus around them and point them to all sorts of awesome things. So, so last question, speaking of the rally, I want you to picture that you're talking to a middle school, high school pastor. They're brand new. Maybe they're young, fresh out of college, or maybe they're transferring (laughs) jobs and they've never worked in ministry before. Uh, They haven't faced tragedy yet, uh, but tragedy surely will affect them at some point in their journey. Yeah. What's what's your rally to them? If you could say one thing sitting across from coffee to them before they ever hit it, what would you tell that 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 youth pastor? I would say be brave. 
uh, relationships are hard and and the things that our kids and our families hit are messy sometimes and it our tendency is to shrink away and i would just say be brave be bold engage in conversation engage physically with people don't be afraid you know to ask hard questions don't be afraid to be in the midst of tears don't be afraid to um, be in a, a situation where you don't have all the answers you know that's okay you know you can't and won't have all the answers ever so as a new youth pastor don't give up you know and 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 be brave in all situations because we have the power of the holy spirit within us and working through us and the more you can lean into that um into that power and into that confidence i think the more you'll feel that in the in the midst of those conversations i think i've had some moments where i have not been brave and those have been the moments mm -hmm. where i think i've gotten it wrong absolutely well, I you can, know i can agree and so i Me think too. The moments where I'm brave in the name of Jesus and step into the uncomfortable places, the places where we don't have answers, the places where there are no resources or there is no book. It's just in our relational you know, ministry to people. Um, don't be afraid to step into that. And don't be afraid to have people who are rallying around you as a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. As you pour out, you know, I think... Um, you're pouring out a ton. You also need a place to grieve and feel and sometimes cry and <laughs> sometimes be raw. And and so who are those few people that when you're pouring out a ton into people, they can rally around you? And I think as a new youth pastor, that's something I didn't have when I first started. But mm -hmm. I would encourage that for any youth pastor now. As you start, who is your team mm. who is going to rally around you? And you can lean into as you minister and pour out in kind of uncertain times. Because you will need them. You'll need them. Oh, that's so good. So You'll good, need them. Katie. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you if they, if they want to get in contact with you or maybe, maybe ask yeah. you for some resources that um, your church might be using? Well, um, I probably the easiest place to get me is just my email, which is just Katie, K-A-T-I-E-E -E, at saddleback.com. But, you know, you DM on Instagram, Katie Edwards, 1212 is probably an easy place to go. So, awesome. Yeah. Katie, you've great been awesome. To be with you guys. Thank you. So great. Mm, thanks for hanging with us. Wow, that was some incredible content. I know as a parent, I mean, this is something that keeps my wife and I up at night uh, worrying about and so to have this information and be able to take this away and apply some of this in our home is going to be super important for i'm so thankful for today's episode yeah me too and i was thinking as i was listening um just the importance of modeling how to process through something like this mm. whether you're a parent or a ministry leader or a small group leader because teenagers specifically they're trying to figure out how to process through something like yeah, that totally. and if you do it internally and then you just tell them where you've landed yeah you haven't talked them how to process through something yeah. or how to recognize how they're feeling through something because really you have to feel before you can heal and so mm. we need to model that as the church come on you have to feel before you can heal i really like that and i, I also love what they said when they talked about like figuring out how you can partner with the community or yeah. the schools in the community yeah. because you're all going to need to be a support for each other in one way or another during different seasons yeah, totally. of, of what happens totally. in the community so Maybe sometimes the church is just a place where you can have students gather together to support each other or pray together or, yeah. you know, talk through things yeah. um, when something happens at the school and vice versa. Yeah, I know for me, I've had a little bit of experience with this after the Sandy Hook uh, shooting. Um, myself and a couple of pastors from our church drove up to that area and we spent uh, a whole day there just praying with the community and talking to students and talking to parents and, you know, to feel the weight of that 
trauma was life-changing for mm. me because sometimes we can feel like it's just far away and, and we might think about what we might do, but it's really important for us to have an action plan in place in case that does happen, right? Yeah, totally. And if you're in a community where something like that hasn't happened um, and it's hard to relate, I would encourage you to um, make sure that if you do know someone who's going through something, whether it's a suicide in the community or a school shooting or or some tragic car accident, whatever it is, sometimes reaching out to help the helpers yeah. is the most important thing you can yeah, do as a good. pastor. Because as you all know, listening, as a pastor, you're constantly pouring out and you're pouring out and you're pouring out, but who's like mm. reaching out to you and yeah. pouring into you so that you can continue to pour out? Yeah, that's really good. Ash, I just want to say thanks so much for sitting at this table and, and adding so much extra value to what we've heard today. So you've done a fantastic job. I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to share this episode with a friend. Share this episode with somebody else who's in ministry because I think it might be an important resource for them as well. Yeah, and speaking of resources, Dave, I would love to make the XP3 student curriculum, the middle school and the high school series through mm. the darkness available to all our listeners for oh, free. Cool. So if you head over to the show notes, you can download the middle school and the high school series. They're both called Through the Darkness, but they're written specific to the middle school and the high school age group. And that's everything from graphics to small group guides, to wow. conversation guides, to the main talk, to teaching videos, to parent resources. It's wow. everything you would need to walk your community through something that's difficult. That's awesome. That's a, such an important thing for churches and ministry leaders to have on their shelf, right? Just ready to go. Yeah, totally. Um, so if you want to get that, you can just go to thinkorangepodcast.com. You'll find our show notes there and that's where you'll be able to download it. It's thinkorangepodcast.com. And just another reminder, please share this episode with a friend. I'm sure it's going to be a great resource for all the churches in your community. And we would love to just spread the word around and, and get that resource in the hands of as many church leaders as humanly possible. Ash, thanks so much for being on today's show. Show. Guys, we will see you next week. And as always, when you think next generation, think, think orange. orange. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think Orange podcast. Join us next time for more ideas and conversations to help you influence the next generation. For more episodes and show notes, visit thinkorangepodcast.com.